you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, this is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. When the Iron Lady sings, ladies and gentlemen, that's when you know it's rolling. I don't know what that means. It's rolling. Never said that at the beginning of the show. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. The Chris Voss Show is a family that loves you but doesn't judge you. So always remember that. You always have a place here. You always have a home. You always have a family. You're never alone with the Chris Voss Show because we stock you night and day with four new shows every weekday and 15 to 20 shows a week. So if you can't, if you're still lonely after spending all that time with me and the amazing guests and brilliant minds that come on this show, I don't know, you can pay me extra to hang out with you, but it's going to cost you a lot. But there's an OnlyFans for that. No, there's not. Anyway, guys, we have an amazing gentleman on the show today. And as always, we bring you the smartest minds. People are going to write me and be like, what's that OnlyFans thing? It's not real. It's a joke, people. It's a callback joke for the show. We have Timothy Poor on the show today. He works... In the dark underbelly of healthcare, in the shadows of the happiest place on earth. <laughs> is this a Dylan song? What's going on here? We're going to find out. That's the whole part of what we do here in the Chris Voss Show. You find out what's going on. Tim Poor is a seasoned healthcare executive. He's been a transformative force in the industry since 2019. We took the reins as CEO of ATP Healthcare. In his role, Tim leads a dedicated team that assists families, patients, and hospitals in navigating the complex landscape of healthcare placements for challenging cases. Before helming ATP Healthcare, Tim demonstrated his expertise in the healthcare sector as part of an investment group. There, he played a pivotal role in identifying and optimizing post-acute care properties for purchase, strategically increasing their census post-acquisition, and his extensive experience includes several years in the dynamic fields of home care and hospice. Currently at the forefront of innovation, he's co-founded a company that has developed an AI platform. We've gotten to love AI. We'll be talking about that today. Mm -hmm. This groundbreaking technology guides hospitals and post-acute providers into optimizing patient recovery, showcasing Tim's commitment to advancing healthcare solutions. Welcome to the show, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. It's wonderful to have you on the show. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, it's going to be really easy. It's going to be atphealthcare.com. There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of what you guys do there, Timothy. So if, you, if, you look, if you're listening to the Chris Foss Show and you do have a brain bleed and you end up in the hospital and the hospital is having a very challenging time trying to find a appropriate discharge location for you, often... Keep keep our keep our name in mind, but often the hospital will contact us, so they'll reach out to us and and ask for our consultation or our assistance and and man, and managing or trying to find a, a placement option for you. But in addition, we we generally stick around with the patient. We're working with the hospital. We'll generally stick around for about six months with that patient, okay. kind of mitigating those issues for, forward for them. So we're not mm-hmm. kind of like just saying, "Hey, we found you a spot. Good luck." There's a lot of issues that have to be taken care of on that back end also. 
We do work with families additionally, and it's usually it's regarding like insurance issues or something like that. We just mm-hmm. will provide a consultation or, or point them in a direction of what they need to be doing as far as to resolve those issues or even placement issues. So it, unfortunately, it's um, it's not what we woke, woke up in the morning wanting to do, but it sort of happened. You know, kind of going back in 2019, I worked for, I said, an investment group. I left them. And I actually wanted to work with primary care physicians, kind of helping them stay independent. And mm-hmm. uh, But I would get a phone call from a hospital saying, hey, we got this patient here. Can you can you kind of take a look at what's going on? You know, I, I would say, well, okay, all right, you know, we'll have a, you know, have an agreement with them, like a BAA, and you know, we can share information. You know, we're not breaking the law. We're not going to wear orange. And, you know, we give our advice and say, you know, hey, you know, you know, this, this might be a discharge location for this patient and that sort of stuff. And then finally got to a point where this one director of care management for a pretty large hospital system said, you should charge for this. And wow. usually when that, when a customer says you should charge, that's not a bad thing. And sure. you know, we kind of like looked at different payer models and, and uh, try to find something that works. And we got to doing this and uh, doing this uh, uh, quite a bit. And I kind of kept seeing this like the same issues again and again and again mm-hmm. on these really complex patients. Case management in the hospital, they are the heroes of the hospital. They are by far the smartest people in the building. No offense to neurosurgeons and, and a lot of your physicians, they're, they're very smart people too. But the case management, they can do, they can juggle so many things at one time and keep it together. It's it's absolutely amazing, and you know, on these really complex cases where it's just they just don't have the bandwidth, mm-hmm. is what the problem is. We're able to assist them with with those patients, and you know, and, and that we kept seeing those the same sort of issues again and again. And when you see a pattern, a machine can be trained to work on that. Oh. And so, so we started looking at other groups that you know could be studying this or be or it could be approaching this problem in maybe a different way. And we and we found some wonderful people over at Attention Analytics. And we began we began talking to them a number of years ago and kind of going through the details and what are the issues. We've got to work with a skilled nursing operator and really kind of like bear down and say what the issues with them as far as like flow through for patients and that sort of stuff. So our AI platform that we have developed works with hospital systems and post-acute care providers and it transitions that patient all the way through. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty powerful tool. AI is going to help the future in healthcare. We probably need that more than ever with, you know, how complex healthcare is. It's complex, expensive, and it's understaffed. Yeah. (laughs) Now you have two branches for your company. I think so one for hospitals, providers, insurance company, the other Mm -hmm. for individuals and families. Yep. managing the process of health, senior care. So probably a, a patient advocate at that point with individuals and families? Yeah, a very dogged patient advocate. We Since we are working for the, the patient, mm-hmm. um, we have no problems with you know, telling somebody to go F off and go entertain themselves. Uh, we will do that on, on, their, on their behalf anytime. Um, and, and when we're given an opinion, it, it is our expert opinion that we're supporting this with, with data. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's, you know, it's a lot of times it's going to be long-term inspection data. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be short-term rehab or something like that, but there's, there's data behind this. It's not, it's not a financial motivation from whoever's given us the best deal. We, most of the folks that we work with, 
really can't afford our services. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're happy to point people in the right direction, say, hey, this is, the, this is what you need to be doing. And you just do X, Y, and Z, and this should help you. And, and if you need help, you can call us back. That's the, probably 95% of our calls. Very seldom do you know we actually get into a situation where okay we're going to have to talk about this and this is going to be a while and you know we're really going to need you to sign up for a subscription service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, it, that's you know it, it, it's not it's not really our goal. We just want to get you all moving back and forth. You're, you're, we'll give you the information that you need to need to do to make the decisions you have to have and then and then mm-hmm. go forward from there. Does insurance help cover this or Medicare, Medicaid, no. any of that sort of stuff? No? No. In a pocket? There's, in the Affordable Care Act, there is, there is provisions for, we're considered a case management support company, and there's provisions in there for that, but there, there really isn't anything in there where, you know, that you can bill for Medicare for. Interesting. Uh, and and there, there are individuals who are um, case managers who can do like the pre-authorizations and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can hire, and but, but you're still hiring them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their services aren't covered by Medicare. Interesting. So, yeah, it, but there are provisions in the ACA for that. It's just that it, it, it's going to it's going to be a number of years before that's pulled through. But okay, so give us a little bit of information on you. I mean, give us your, your hero's journey, your story, how you got into this business, how you you know became a CEO, your entrepreneurial journey, if you will. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background. I, I had a fascination when I was in, in grad school as a, a Georgia Bulldog in, in grad school. So that we're pretty obnoxious right now. But <laughs> Alabama's this weekend, so I don't know when this airs, but Alabama's Uh-oh. this weekend. <laughs> there will be blood. Yeah, but the and when I was there, I was a you know, biochemistry, and I also had this hobby of working on export controls. So that's basically like how technologies are allowed to be you know traded or used by other organizations other countries and you know i had a really had a keen interest on that for that for several years and then i actually moved down back down to florida where i was originally from to work with my folks you know my parents were talking about retiring and they were in the housing industry and that was about 2007 so yeah good timing on that uh, but really learned how to run an operation on a very lean budget. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that was that was pretty critical later on in life. Yeah, I did that for a number of years and then moved into healthcare. I was like, enough of this. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a wild time back then, definitely. And healthcare is definitely, as it, more baby boomers are retiring more than ever. I mean, you have the largest group of Americans, I think, pretty much at this point, retiring and 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 they they want to live long and spend their money doing it and I think they have most of the money for them. And uh, <laughs> there's challenges too with it also because there's also a, a large number of individuals who really don't have any money and they don't have the money for post care. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes it very very challenging. It's it's expensive to say the least. <laughs> there you go. So you guys are developing AI or you have AI currently working that can help. What what, what is the complexity? That you guys are solving. I mean, I, I we all kind of know what it is, but give us the wrap up from your end of, of of how complex it is to you know take on this elephant that you guys put on your website. You know, it, it's on the, on the AI side, there are numerous parties involved in the care of an individual once they cross the threshold of an ER, and and, and there's there, there's sometimes these these personalities, these different groups can be at odds. Uh, they have different different goals, and 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 that's just inside a hospital. 
when you when you throw in something that's post acute care, you're basically you're you're basically crossing the event horizon and you're going into a black hole because the rules are completely different. What is what is considered Shinola in a hospital is is literally a shit in a post acute care arena. And you know, individuals with like excellent commercial insurance plans, a hospital is going to do everything they can for you. But if you have Medicaid or Medicare those are challenges in a hospital system where it's just the exact opposite in post-acute care. Commercial insurance is kind of like, what do we do with this? Just put it over there in the corner, you know, like type deal. Medicare and Medicaid are, are what, what you're seeking, specifically Medicare, more, more so than anything, more so than managed Medicare in, in most cases. Medicaid is, is very beneficial. Many times people have the when we speak with somebody, speak with a family member or, or or anyone on Medicaid, they often think it's just something for lazy people. That lazy people is about about over three quarters of the U.S. population is going to require Medicaid or requires Medicaid. It's mm-hmm. it's <laughs> at some point in their life. I mean, it, it, it's very instrumental, and and it's the mm-hmm. payer for a lot of your copays. It's the payer for a lot of your long term care. Uh, anything that's going to be you're at home or if you're in a in a community setting or a facility setting, the payer for the most vast majority of that's going to be Medicaid. So that's always something they kind of need to you know speak to your elected local elected officials about and making sure that's funded properly. And unfortunately, it's not always funded properly. When it's not funded properly, it becomes very difficult for post acute care care providers to operate at the top of their license. You know, for example, a patient who's on a ventilator requires a, a mechanical machine to keep their lungs open so that they can, so they can, so they can breathe air. You know, if you, if you have a, a, a state, state of Florida has roughly, let me just check real quick. So we're going to be looking at state of Florida has roughly 20, 20 level one, level two trauma centers throughout the state, let's just say mm-hmm. probably. And, you know, average bed size can be about 500 beds. There's going to be quite a few of those individuals who, and because it's a trauma center, this is a severe injury, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to require a ventilation for the, the remain for the rest of their life. And there's literally only a maybe half a dozen skilled nursing facilities in the state of Florida that can handle a vet. Really? Wow. There, were, there were more. But the reimbursement is just too low for what it costs to pay employees, the cost, what it costs to pay as a respiratory therapist to pay for mm-hmm. the equipment. It's just it just becomes a very challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and typically, those facilities, you know, you're, you want to make sure Medicare is present on the front end for those patients. So, in wow. a lot of states, we end up having to look outside that state for placement for those patients. Wow. You know, LTACs are, are an option in some cases, mm-hmm. but LTACs are only going to take that patient typically if they have a plan for what's going to happen when they can't get that patient to recover or you know, they can't wean that patient off that ventilator. Wow. That's- it's unfortunate. Our, 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 our company really shouldn't exist, and yet mm-hmm. this is a situation that we're in. Yeah, I mean... It- Healthcare is complex. I mean, just trying to figure out my insurance every year is what's going mm-hmm. on with it and what I'm, what I'm yeah, paying for that I never use. Your deductible um, is probably growing more and more, and you're sitting there saying to yourself, "But this, are the services really getting?" You know, I haven't, I haven't used my any of my deductible in thirty five years. 
I think I'll be using it next year for a, a hernia injury, but the but even then, I'll, I think I'm paying most of it deductible, the upfront, whatever the hell it is, and and I don't mind that just as long as it's cheap. I've got a buck or two, but yeah, it, this is really interesting. You know, my sister is in a care center, and do you do advocation for people in care centers, things like that? I imagine they would have to be able to pay you out of pocket. No, I mean we. I mean, if if someone reaches out to us and they are having an issue, well, you know, you, you got to try to help them, at least mm-hmm. point them in the right direction and say, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it doesn't. If, if you have that knowledge, you should try to do something with it. Yeah, I know that just having people advocate for people that can't sometimes advocate for themselves either because of their health condition, dementia. You know, that's what she deals with dementia, so she can't advocate for herself. And then the systems, healthcare systems, at least from what I've gathered, seem so stressed anyway between having enough a workforce. You know, evidently one of the things that COVID did and one of the problems that we're having, you know, with the way insurance companies pay or don't pay or take forever to pay, that a lot of doctors are just like, fuck this, we're out. We're going to go, I don't know, do real estate. Um, Direct primary primary care. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of younger people are just not that interested. They're more interested in becoming TikTok influencers. And so there's a real glut coming down the pike, from what I understand, in healthcare, in, in doctors, nurses, providers. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good the way it's going. You look, you look around at the facilities and the hospitals and you see who's there. And those people, they want to be there. Yeah. They wake up every morning, you know, wanting to do the best damn job that they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, and we really need to work to make sure that they have the tools and resources to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, those of us who, you know, listen, I can't take care of a patient, but I can press a button and I can press the shit out of that button. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, do you need me to send an email? I can draft you an email, like nobody's business, especially with chat GPT four. Right. But I mean, that, that we have to like put a little bit more of a focus on, okay, we need to get these resources for these individuals who are, doing doing the work right mm-hmm. that's it's because they want to be there there's a lot of other things that these folks could be doing they're very smart people <laughs> so for those people listening who's your target audience how much do they need do they need a certain amount of cash or net worth uh, um do they need to be on okay. medicare or medicaid or have their own cash or if they want to invest in an AI platform, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one thing, right? That's but one no. way to do it. <laughs> but no, the so in most individuals, you know, most most states, it's about the cutoff is between eighteen to twenty four hundred dollars per month. If you're making more than that, you're gonna you probably you might have some challenges getting Medicaid. Okay. If you're if you're under that for most states, and when I say most states, I'm like I'm talking about like nearly all fifty. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna qualify for Medicaid pretty much a okay, and that mm-hmm. that would be something that's you would want to consider because that's going to be at the end of the day that's going to be your your payer, um, mm-hmm. and, and even you know, and if you're and if you're not of age for disability or for you know for you know, for for Medicare or Medicaid. You know, you need to also take a take a look at life insurance policies that have a a, a nursing home or long term care benefit. But we really want a long term care benefit, something that could be used that's going to keep you um, home in your in your place of residence, right? Those are those are the types of things that you really want to have set up, and that's the first thing I would tell that I tell everybody that that contacts us. So if, if you can get through that first part, 
and you mm-hmm. still need to contact us, uh, then, then by, by, by sure you can contact us, not a problem. But we're pretty reasonable on the price. There you go. You have to be because, I mean, the vast majority of the people, they're looking at Medicaid. They, mm-hmm. they can't, they're not rich. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy what's going on in this country between everything else and, and laws and healthcare. Now, does the AI work largely more with the hospitals, providers, insurance companies? You're trying yeah. to juggle all yeah, those? It, it's, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's basically, it's, it's basically the, the world's greatest full-time employee for a hospital and, and post-acute wow. care provider. It's pulling through and, 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 and going through all that, all that data. And, and as, as much as the healthcare organizations are comfortable with it, it can, you know, it can follow their rules however they want it, want it to follow them. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it, cause it, it's, they're, they're going to, they have to set up rules and say, okay, this is what we, this is what we're okay with. And this is what we're not okay with. This is what we want to be checked back with on, on decisions. Right. And then you have to have some sort of human control in that. Mm-hmm. So does it help them maybe, I know one pain point for hospitals and, and doctors is getting paid for insurance companies to help them get paid maybe better and faster. That That's yeah, that's definitely something that it would do. <laughs> yeah. yeah you guys are <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, yes, it's doing it pretty, pretty regularly. Right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. and, it, and it understands the rules. There you go. And so the, you put the rules in to, to tell the follow what you're looking for. And does it, I imagine it helps with the workflow of, okay, move this patient there at this point, things along those lines? Yes. There you go. There you go. And the AI comes to healthcare. That'll be great. I, I can't it's, just. It's already, it's already there. <laughs> there you go. Um, healthcare is actually really kind of slow and up on the, on the uptake. There's a lot of this has already been present in most other industries and it is just kind of like a lot of us were kind of just like sitting around saying what's going to be the thing that tips it over the edge here and gets it rolling mm-hmm. and unfortunately it's probably what we were having to deal with for a couple of years there i don't even want to talk about that thing i hate that thing so much <laughs> and you guys and, and it helps assist hospitals in placing difficult patients so like complexities like obesity criminal records geriatric diseases drug abuse no payer source, so it helps decide. You know, figure out who who's paying, who's not. You know, drug abuse, maybe who not to give fentanyl to, or well, that, other- that, that those those types of decisions on who on who not to who to give or not give. That that's a cl- clinical decision. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and that that's and that and they need to be making that this that decision. But when it actually comes to our, down towards like the workflow. Of of, a, of the platform, it can assist and in, in showing what are the options for for those organizations that are involved to help pull that patient through. Uh, mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times, it's you know how how systems work. Many healthcare systems in the hospital side, they they work in a very departmental compartmentalized even in a hospital. So you'll have multiple teams trading off a patient throughout the patient's recovery, which you know it, it's. You know, it's, it's like, how, do you, how can you do that? And it was because there's so many patients <laughs> and there's so few people that you have to kind of do it in that sort of situation. You can't just have one person to stay with the entire patient. So in this case, the AI is actually what's staying with the patient the entire time. Wow. I'm reading some of the case studies you have on your website, and this is really interesting. I never really thought that, you know, after you have a some sort of trauma or injury that, you know, there's there's follow-up care that needs to take place. 
yeah. I've been kind of lucky in my life at, at not dealing with that knock on wood, but I never really thought about it. But you know, it, it looks like there's a real thing with placing people after in short-term rehab, ATP healthcare had helps assist in getting the facility and the insurance and transportation. Transportation is always a pain in the ass for, for stuff too. And getting that all done. Our opiate, are opioid dependent? There's a case study you have on here. Is is opioid dependent? People like my sister who live on fentanyl because they just have to. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I was just wondering if that term applied to her. I'm just after my own stuff here at this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's it's good. This is good educational stuff because I, I hope I never reach that point. But uh, there are times when that comes. But yeah, these these are interesting. I never knew there's so oh. much different stuff that goes into this post care. Yeah, and and the the other thing is that we're still experiencing a lot of the ripple effects from COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned we 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 talked about about already about the you know the the, the workforce issues, but you also mm-hmm. have to kind of think about there's a lot of cases where people were supposed to get surgeries and it didn't happen, mm-hmm. right? And so, what what type of surgery is you know is you know surgery for patients who are bariatric or extreme bariatric? Mm-hmm. Uh, which they were going to go and, and have some sort of like reduction surgery or something like that. And that was just really for two years that was essentially put on hold. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you have individuals who were appropriate for surgery at, at a certain point. Maybe they're not appropriate for it anymore. Maybe their health is deteriorated because of that now. Now we have those extra effects. So mm-hmm. when we started the company, you know, and originally we were just, you know, it was just a bunch of hospitals in, in Florida that, you know, had our phone number written on a bathroom wall somewhere. It's for a good time, call ATP or something. But What's that thing, number? <laughs> right. It's pretty easy to find. 15309. That's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, we had one case, one patient that was 600 pounds back in 2019. Wow. By okay, but but by the time of by the end of 2022, heading into 2023, but at the end of 22, we had over 20, like yeah, 24 cases mm-hmm. in the in the same area, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's I mean, those are individuals who are requiring you know nursing home placement, and they are considered extreme bariatric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like COVID, really, I said it, but it really wreaked a lot of havoc, and and, and not yeah. directly. So we're going to see so, some of these like ripple effects from this for quite a while. Um, yeah. Workforce is going to be one issue, but also just the 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 strain on individuals in healthcare that that needed care that it placed on them also. And then yeah. long COVID. My sister has long COVID. She had it four times in the care facility. And I'm surprised she isn't up to five or six at this point, but there's still time. In fact, they just locked down the thing again. The um, So, yeah, long COVID. You know, I, I have friends suffering from long COVID. It's no joke. People tell me COVID's, uh, you know, just some made-up lie. I just about want to pop them in the face. So if you see the suffering they're going through, it, it's not cool. I'm, and... And near as I can tell from some of my friends that have long COVID, especially my sister, it's probably taken 10 years off their life. They're probably going to die 10 years earlier. I'm no doctor, but that's just from what you can tell. And I think a couple of my friends have said that. They go, I'm pretty sure this took 10 years off my life. You know, and some of the cases are pretty extreme. You know, the body just reacted in such a way that it did damage to itself and trying to eradicate the disease that it didn't have a blueprint for. And it just damage its own things and in, in the swelling that a body does to to, to combat 
disease. One thing I noticed on your website for individual and family services, it looks like you handle like moving estate sales, selling your home. And I mean, I mentioned the AI handles this placement, insurance audits. Oh, that's, yeah, AI doesn't doesn't touch that or anything like okay. that. Yeah, okay. that, that's not we work. The AI is strictly strictly with on the hospital side. Um, mm-hmm. We will and the post-acute care provider side. And that's, that's sort of like, a, that is a local network uh, that we will, that we will work with you to find mm-hmm. the, the people that can do that in your, in your area. Power of attorney, caregivers and things, yeah. you know, my, this is a big deal for, I think a lot of people that are having their, their parents and loved ones, you know, go into early stage dementia, go into healthcare mm-hmm. issues, I know, you know, for for my immediate family, uh, being at home and spending all their time at home, if they're in a in some sort of care, is really important to them. Because I, you know, I don't want to die in a hospital either. I don't. I don't even like being in a hospital for five minutes. Oh, the ginger um, ale! They get all that ginger ale. It's great. Is ginger ale? Is it? Wait, oh, oh, sign me up then. As long as I can mix it with vodka, I'll start drinking again once I get back into a hospital. The but you know handling some of these different things of of for as as suddenly when you become a caregiver and stuff is definitely daunting. You know, mm-hmm. my mom's got like some file that's a uh, down an inch thick of all the things that need to be taken care of, both for my sister and for her, if things were going to go into it. And it's just something you have to kind of plan for as you get older. And, you know, you're going to have to take care of family members. And I think more and more the studies show that more and more families are taking care of their their elderly loved ones at home. Yeah. And so it's more complex, especially when you need caregivers to come to the house to, you know, take care of everything between dementia care, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. I've got friends that have Alzheimer's parents are taking care of, and it's tough. It's tough to be a caregiver in that case, but. Yeah, you, you definitely see a science of it too, because in, in the health economy, you know, there, there's, there's a company that was a few years ago, it was a, it was a wonderful idea of care pods, mm-hmm. where they would, they, they would put everything that you need, literally like in a pod, and it would be there for you. You know, that was, that was a wonderful idea. But now we have, you know, groups like Care Academy, where you can go online and it's going to tell a family member, you know, what do you need to educate yourself on? What, you know, what, what can you do to, in order for you to know, provide a care for your, your loved one? Really? Uh, and it's a really a great idea. I mean, it, it's, you know, and, and actually through Medicaid long-term care and, and, and a lot of states that they, they will pay a, a caregiver, a family member to be essentially a CNA. Cause you can't, cause they understand like, yeah, you're, you're taking care of this person now. You're not really working. I can't really do this sort of stuff. Medic managed Medicaid companies will say, yeah, we will pay you as an employee for $18, $19 an hour. It's not a whole lot, but it's something mm-hmm. at least. So we have that, we see that provision in a lot of states where they'll, they'll allow that for Medicaid long-term care individuals to stay home. It's a lot cheaper to do that. I would much rather do that yeah. as a state than to pay for long-term care in a nursing home. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain point, there's a certain point where when it takes two or three people to shower you, lift you out of bed and Mm -hmm. put you in your chair and stuff that, you know, you have to be in a facility. But I know that, I mean, no one wants to be in a, I mean, I, there, maybe there's some people who really love being in a hospital. Maybe they like the food or something. (laughs) (laughs) There there are some individuals, you know, there's the cases we've worked on where, you know, the hospitals contact us and the patient's been there for over a year. I was like, you know, this, this patient has rights. You know, they they have to be formally evicted at this time. Wow. Um, it, it's yeah, because this is if they're receiving mail, right? Oh my god! 
So like one of one of our first ideas for an advertisement was, was going to be to have a, a Roomba, right? We show a Roomba because this patient we showed this this is back before COVID go, would go to a hospital in person. This patient, oh my god, there's this there's this Roomba like rolling around the hospital like on the floor and stuff like that. I was like, that's really cool. You guys had have that for you know to keep the place clean and stuff like that. And they're like shaking their head. It's like what the fuck? Like I go into the guy's room, and there's like Amazon boxes, like Prime boxes stacked. Like holy home. crap, the guy just moved in, like, man. He's got he's a couch. Like, Sister, he says, "Yeah, I thought I'd just like you know help you know keep the place clean." <laughs> been there, been there for so got long. I'm a Roomba. <laughs> <You're> a Roomba. <laughs> I I guess there's people like that. But yeah, there's the, the more power that can be given to, to caregivers and uh, families. That go through this because it, it's a tough road and you know it, it's it's unfortunate where where my mom can handle is retired so she can handle my sister's issues but eventually they're gonna you know i'm gonna have to deal with them and you know the paperwork and the you know there's whatever the rules are for medicaid medicare i i still don't even understand what all that is i kind of have a relative idea but i kind of don't want to know at this point until i have to but <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah. let you off this show without knowing what that is. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's important and, and stuff, but you know, it's, but it, someday I'm going to have to navigate all this stuff. And if yeah. there's something that can make that definitely easier and help me advocate, cause I've seen the importance of, of if you, if you don't have someone advocating, like I, I can tell you, if you have a loved one in a care center, you need to visit them on a, if not daily like biweekly or weekly basis to check on their care. It's extraordinary some of the abuses that go on in care centers. So our, you know, I, I saw facilities and, and, you know, our, our buildings, unfortunately, the vast majority of the residents didn't have anybody visiting them ever. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's very, it's very troubling. You know, I might think to myself, like, you know, I'm the freaking, you know, the business development guy. You know, and and I'm the one that's sitting here with the patient, with this with this guy here in the ICU. Mm-hmm. You know, who's a resident in the family. There's they're no they're nowhere. You know, like type deal, well, not not involved in it at all. They're like, yeah, let us know when when he passes. Like really, Jesus. you know, it's like that that. Yeah. And so a lot of times, the folks in, in nursing homes, they, I don't think y'all real. I mean, a lot of people realize that that's that's their family. You know, it's you know it, it's you know it's Mike down the hall. You know when. When my father passed away, you know, I, I, I had to take a few days off of work and I came back when the first person that visited me was, you know, was this gentleman, Mike. And, you know, he just, he just sat with me for a while and, you know, I, I love him. I miss him every day. I, I remember the day he passed away mm-hmm. and it was a lot. Yeah, so. it definitely is. It, it's, it's a tough thing that people go through. And then, and then on top of the sorrow and pain, like you, you talk about the loss you're trying to square that and then you've got you know selling selling the house if that's a factor you know yeah. accounts they're banking you know you've got to do the the whole state thing with the state and whatever that is the, the all you know all that all that uh, i forget what it's called the 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 thing where the state figures out how much they're going to take taxes on you and meanwhile you're just like hey man i just lost you know one of the most important people in my life and i'm going through grief and and you know you want to stack all this crap on top of it, you know. So yeah, yeah. The, the the some of the 
you know, case managers are fantastic people when you're in the hospital. That's your best friend. When you're outside the hospital, an elder law attorney, an mm. elder or family law attorney, somebody who can, who can do those trusts, who can do the Medicaid applications, that sort of stuff. I don't know what deal the devil that, that, that elder law attorneys make made, but when they do a Medicaid application, typically when they're running it through the state, generally it's approved faster and it's right pretty much every time. I don't know what it is. You know, I would highly, I would highly recommend your listeners at least speak with a good elder law attorney. It doesn't matter if you're years away from it or 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 not. The the other thing is, if you're like in that sandwich and you're and you're having to take care of your your parents or you're approaching the age and you have to take care of your parents and you have your kids, you know, you, you kind of need to lay down the law and, and just sit there and say how much. What level of my life am I to sacrifice in order for you to maintain your current standard of living? Mm-hmm. What, what are we looking at here, right? We we actually we 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 offer that conversation. We'll have that with your family, usually free of charge. <laughs> if it's if it's a if it's a mom or a dad, it isn't quite getting it, you know, type deal. But you know that that's really a conversation that, that the kids should be having with their with their with their family or something. And just very, you got to put it down very bluntly. What, what is it? What does it look like? You know, where, where do we have to be at? Do you have to be like, you know, you know, in a, in a wheelchair, you know, all the time, you know, and having, having your diaper change, what is it? You know, and once you have that, and as, as tough as it is, once you have that information, you know where that line is at, mm-hmm. make them stick to it. Right. And say, oh, okay, this is this is what it is, all right. And and when we and, and yeah, you, you fell last week or something like that, or you left the stove on, you know, type deal. Okay, let's you know we're going to start looking at Plan B now, you know. And yeah. that's, I mean, you don't put it that bluntly to them, but you know that that's we're all on the same page. Yeah, everyone thinks everything's going to be fine, and this shit ain't going to be fine. I'm telling you, it is not. It gets yeah. it's really rough. Yeah. And, and so the more support you can give, do you guys see yourself developing other um, variations or other silos in the AI segment of, of dealing yeah. with some, maybe some of the other issues that we have? Or you- yeah. You know, cause especially it'd be much more beneficial just to have somebody, you know, they could just go on and just chat with an AI system and say, you know, that they would come to ATP healthcare or something like that. And what we're working on is just having a, a, a system for chat where they could just answer the questions they need, point them in the right direction, and then allow them to to move on. You know, if it's, you know, I need assisted living, you know, recommendations for my 86-year-old grandmother who has X, Y, and Z, having that in place and it says, okay, this is this is what you need. These are the, these are your options within 25 miles of your zip code, that sort of stuff. And, you know, it, it's so isn't pretty straightforward to do that. What you would want to do is make sure that the system was a HIPAA compliant. We're not going to be, you know, anybody's going to be able to scrape information off of it. But the, the other thing is, though, you also would want to make sure you go one step further and, and put the families in contact with the, the appropriate individuals, whether it be an elder law group, whether it be, you know, you know, somebody who works on, you know, Medicaid specifically or whatever it may be, and and that sort of stuff, just so that they have the the resources. And also be able to sit there and coach them through if they want to sit there and say, hey, I want to do Medicaid on my own. I don't have the money to afford for a specialist. Say, okay, this is what you're going to need for Medicaid. This is the site and this is how you need to be answering these questions. Most definitely. I mean, the more, hopefully the AI can just change the whole mode of healthcare and 
and streamline it if, if it's that's even possible yeah that that's something actually we're we're, we're you know we're working on on the atp healthcare side the ai platform is actually under a new co um yeah because we're we are a partnership but yeah the the mm-hmm. atp healthcare is working on that because yeah it's i mean it not, like i said before earlier most of the phone calls were just pointing people in the right direction people are pretty smart there you go mark billing says nice job tim uh, from your audience, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> He's a good guy. <laughs> so, Timothy, give us a give us a final pitch out and dot coms so where people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah. So if you're a, a hospital patient or even a, a family member, you have any questions about uh, placement or post acute care needs, feel free to give us a feel free to reach out to us. Just visit us at atphealthcare.com. There you uh, go. Yeah. Our our fax line is a secure fax line for hospitals. We are on Careport and. Okay. Uh, and, and that makes it pretty easy easy to communicate with us. Is that one of those HIPAA things where it's just- yeah so yeah I don't yeah I don't want anybody sending me patient information on our on our website. Don't do that. No 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 no. I tried to get my blood work emailed to me recently, and they were like, "No, nah, I can't do that. We have to hand it to you." I'm like, "Seriously, it's 2023, but I I get it. Yeah yeah. There you go. What are you gonna do? I mean, I I'm mean, like, is anybody? What, is there someone trying to steal my blood work? I don't think they want it. My blood work came out green, eh? And they said I was an alien. So I don't know what that means. But we're looking into it. Somewhere. It came out queso. Yeah. <laughs> Surprising it doesn't because I actually eat a lot of queso. I love queso. So there you go. Thank you very much, Tim, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. Yeah, great discussion about AI. And man, you give me hope that, you know, Right before AI kills us and destroys us Terminator style, it can help us save on our health code bills. Yeah, it's going to know where to put us. <laughs> put them all in the hospitals. AI will be putting me Thanks, in a rubber Sam, I got room. I a special place for you. <laughs> They'll be putting me in a rubber room. Yeah, I'll be like, put them in a rubber room. One flows over the cuckoo's nest. So thank you, Tim, for coming on the show. Thanks, Ron, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fort Chess Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fort Chess Chris Foss. Subscribe to the big LinkedIn newsletter. That thing is crazy in its growth. And also our 130,000 group on LinkedIn. Go to Chris Foss one Tickety Talkety and ChrisVossFacebook.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.